please check out this episode on Rumble. Welcome to After Hours with Dr. Sigaloff, where he can share ideas and thoughts with you. He gets to the heart of the issue so that you can find the truth. The views and opinions expressed are his and do not represent the U.S. Army, DOD, nor the U.S. government. Dr. Sigaloff was either off-duty or on approved leave, and Dr. Sigaloff was not in uniform at the time of recording. Now, to Dr. Sigaloff. So today I have the pleasure of introducing Dr. Pete Chambers, uh, retired Lieutenant Colonel Chambers, uh, recently retired, congratulations, sir, is joining us today and is going to be discussing the doctrine of lesser magistrates. Thank you, doctor. <laughs> and I, and we, will, we will be discussing it. You know, I had the pleasure of actually speaking to Matt Trojella, the author of that, literally three, four days ago. And it was pretty cool. He called me out of the blue. So he well, heard that we were talking about it on podcasts. And I actually read his book. And it's not a big book. It's, it's, it's just a, more like a primer. But uh, yeah, wonderful, wonderful read. And what's really the kind of premise of, of this idea? You know, it, it's uh, in listening to him, of course, I, I after I, I received it from somebody, it was a pastor friend of mine down here in Dripping Springs. Uh, I don't know if you can see the flag behind me, but this is where I'm at. This Texas, is home. This you... is Texas. And, yeah. <laughs> and I have the Pew Pew Jew there shirt on. There you go. On... You're right, right, right. Come and is take that, it in uh, Hebrew. In, uh, Hebrew? Yes, sir. Okay, well, I'll... <laughs> Shalom. So... Uh, <laughs> What uh, what it, what essentially it is is that, that God has established uh, the, there's four realms of government. This is what He says, and, they, and I'm just going to paraphrase it: is that there's a uh, there's self government, family government, church government, and civil government, and each has its role and limits. And when one uh, oppresses the other, or one does something that oversteps their legal authorities. It is incumbent upon the lesser magistrate, the lower level magistrate, to interpose, to stand in the gap, to speak for, uh, to point out their wrongs or whatever, for the ones that they are, uh, they they govern. Or the in my in the case of my family, you know, I'm the head of the family, so be for my for my children. I would step up to his teacher, let's say, at a PTA conference. But it's, so it, it's it can be used in all forms of what the what God established in the four realms, but that's essentially it. And then there's some historical pieces to that, which are really cool. You know, if you go back, if you're a student of history, and I, I was more military history, but I went back and I really read a lot. And then biblically, uh, there's there's different, uh, the founding of our country. I mean, you know, it, it's just amazing how this really underlies it all. We kind of lost track of it somewhere along the way. And I think that... Uh, it's especially in this country now we've just forgotten about it in the at the upper levels but it's always been states rights versus federal rights or federal uh, over overreach right and just from what you explained to me the first thing that mm-hmm. just jumps into my head is anything not specifically enumerated in this in this um you know article or or any articles not or any rights not specifically enumerated automatically mm-hmm. fall down to the lower level like the state and that's oh, kind absolutely. of a huge idea that's in our constitution, which is right, biblically right. Based. And and you know, and if you if you go back, and I don't, I don't, I'm not a uh, uh, a student of government, so to speak, as much as I am history. But 
you know, the federal government was created for specific things, which we'll just go some of the big ones is national defense, uh, interstate commerce, uh, diplomacy downrange. I mean, there are some main things that they're supposed to do. We know that, you know, as time went on, that that based upon the three uh, tiers of government or the three center pieces that that kept checks and balances on each other, executive and judicial and the and the and the Congress, the legislative that was meant to keep a check on each other. And that is what the founding fathers did in order to not have a king. You know, we didn't want to have a king and somebody that dictated to us. Uh, and it did pretty well for 150 years. And it seems like, you know, to me, my opinion, uh, that somewhere along the way, uh, well, actually it was uh, Madison that first, um, long after, long, not long after he, he, doctor or he uh he wrote the constitution or he authored uh that the uh, federal government overstepped and he had to go interpose for the state of virginia and so did thomas jefferson for a state of kentucky and they went against what the federal government was trying to overreach into which was a certain act i believe an alien act or uh something like that uh, i can't remember uh, but talking about war with France, and then they they tried to overstep their their authorities with uh, with that particular entity, and and giving them almost like a king like uh, rule over us. And we and they said no, no, it's it's states' rights, and they were going to bat for states' rights. Back then, it was Federalists and and Republican. Yeah, yeah. It seems like we've been not we, but humanity has been in this this constant struggle back and forth of having a king, not having a king. If we go right. all the way back to the Jews in the Old Testament, there, oh, that's that's where you have to start, right? I mean, this is where you have to start. You have you have to start there. Uh, although you know, we we have you know the the New Testament, et cetera, for for Christians, and we say, okay, well, that's what we follow, but we still read the book, and the book says in the Old Testament, especially, it's it's just throughout. Um, there, there's this one. I'm, I'm going to look back just really quick here. What I, some notes that I made because it's just fascinating. Uh, you know, when we look at some easy clues, is what what this one gentleman wrote. I kind of wrote some of these down in in the book of Romans. Is what a lot of people look at Romans 13, where it talks about that we fall under governing authorities. Well, that's absolutely it. You know, that's what pastors say now. You know, I have my pastor has done this and now I've gone head to head with him with Matt Troello's book and and uh and this doctrine that we it says let everyone be subject to governing authorities for there is no authority except for that God has established okay well yes and no what what they're saying is is that the, are the if you go on see and you can't you can never look at the bible as just and we and we know this it's just like mm. anything you can't take things we call it out of context you look at the bible you try to take it out of context you really could pick and choose and change turn anything around oh, yeah. so you got to look back at the old testament so you got to look back at daniel and daniel's going to darius and he says to darius he says hey you know we, we got to get my folks back down to the ranch, right? We need to get back down to Judea. <laughs> and, and Darius became Darius the Great because of what happened with this, which was uh, there were Darius was, a, I'm sorry, Daniel was one of the magistrates. He was like one of the top three. 
And uh, the other two were jealous of him and he didn't bow down during prayer time. And they, they kind of ratted him out and said, look, but what did Daniel do? He, he prayed <laughs> kind of something I would do with his door open so they could see, yeah, come look. you know, he's going to like, yeah, in your face. Right. Right. But I'm not going to yeah. hide it. And that's, you know, what you and I have experienced. And, you know, with our other two compadres at the whistleblower thing is we did not do that for accolades. We didn't do it to, to I, the last thing I wanted to do was re- finish my, career that spanned 39 years uh, and, and a lot of it in special forces where I lived in the shadows. I didn't want my name to be spoken by a senator on the right. Hill. Right. Right. That was the last I was thing I wanted. Yeah. Uh, None of us wanted that. No, because it brings a lot of, it brings a lot of uh, bad things, bad juju from the, from the mill side of the house. You've experienced it personally, you know, even, even and, this, uh, this whole podcast, I, this was not a goal of mine. This was not something I ever, all no, I want to do is sit no. with the patient and have right make their life do better. Do your job. Yeah. Give them advice. But when that you can can't help do your job, better. now you're now you're interposing for people in a different way. Right. You know, in medicine sometimes we interpose for you know in, in for medical reasons. Uh and, and we go to bat for people. But so this brought us to a different place. Well, Daniel had to do that and he said, Okay, look, I, I'm sorry, I just can't bow down. They throw him in the lion's den. Nothing happens. He actually walks out of there just fine. You know, you have the Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego thing, and and all that happens. And you're and you're and he interposed. And then there are multiple places throughout history, and the and the apostles in the New Testament definitely with the Roman magistrates went to to interpose for uh, for even though they were not magistrates, but they were still leaders of the church. And and that and a leader of the church is a is a magistrate, just so to speak. I mean, it's there are different realms. You know, there there's the Christian realm, the family realm, or religious realm, your your organized religious realm. So he, he you look at these these clues as this guy talks about. He says, look in this in in Romans thirteen, you can't just take that. You you have you have to you cannot take it out of context, and that and that's right. the point. And so we go back and we look at Numbers uh, eighteen seventeen. Old Testament stuff, right? Um, but only you and your sons may serve as priests in connection with everything at the altar and inside the curtain. And I am giving you the service of the priesthood as a gift. And anyone else who comes near the sanctuary will be put to death. He's talking to the Levites. Mm-hmm. And what was the Levites' job? To wear a sword. They were, they, they were to protect. But they did not have a, uh, uh, I was going to say allowance. I was thinking my son. They didn't have an uh, uh, uh they, they they didn't have uh, they were worthy of tribute because they didn't have an inheritance. That's what it was, an inheritance. Okay. I'm able to think of that word at this time in the morning. But uh, they did not have it. So of the tribes, they didn't have an inheritance. Theirs was almost like a tithe that they received for being the when ones that protected. They were they is, were to do that. Isn't that how the priests lived though? Is the sacrifice that was given to God, the food sacrifice, you know, the right. the meat and the fat, which and draw special attention to the fat right, that's burned and given, right. given to God, yeah. that was eaten by the priests so that they could sustain their life because they didn't really right. and so that, have a right. way of so like, that makes storing sense, for, right? Yeah. yeah. That makes sense. And so um, so when you say, when you look back at the Old Testament, you say, well, what about, they had kings back then. Well, God didn't really want them to have kings. He wanted them to have a, a leader in the sense of the, the, the priest that interposed for them between God and them before Christ came along and gave grace. And judges, but he the intended king, for judges. Right, the, the, in the Christian tradition, for sure. Yeah, but the king was was created. Okay, so then they 
you say, well, he was not to be elevated. And it says in there, uh, you know, in Deuteronomy, you will not elevate yourself above the other brothers. Deuteronomy 17. So there's another Old Testament uh, example. But what have our leaders done? <laughs> have they <laughs> elevated themselves in any sort of financial way? Significantly. Uh, you know, All of them. I spent a lot of time on the Hill and I know a lot of those people that uh, started out, you know, pretty decent, you know, I mean, worth about half a million dollars, maybe 300, 400,000. And now they're worth six to eight million, you know, in 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 short amount of time. In a public service hill, job. In a public service job where where you and I look, when when I was in uniform, uh and somebody asked me, could you come and speak to this or could you come and, and uh work on this project? I couldn't take money to do that as a person that was a servant. I couldn't do that. That's that's illegal and in moral unethical in my book. Uh, you know, now as a civilian, if somebody said, Hey, I'm going to fly you out here and I want you to speak at this thing. If they offer me money, I could take that. But, but as a leader, as a leader, that is not my job to put myself over these other people to, to gain, uh, financially. Especially when we this look back at some of right. so some politicians. that was really interesting. And I'm not going to say any names. Yeah. <laughs> we, we all probably know who yeah. she might be, but getting $300,000 yeah. for a speaking tour. Right. Yeah, that. And, and then, you know, then then the other thing is that when you have information, information allows you to uh, invest. If you have investing, let's say there's going to be a virus that's going to come out next week. Right. And there just happens to be a vaccine that nobody knows about yet. And I'm going to invest in Pfizer, Moderna. Well, before anybody else. We call that insider hmm. trading. You or I would go to jail. Yeah, we would go to jail for. So here's the deal that I've taken on is that I am taking the gloves off and I am naming names and I am I am dropping truth bombs left and right. And this is talking about just, uh, you know, if you're listening out there, you know, this is not a threat. This is just truth bombs. Truth is truth and it will set you free. However, there could be a, a cost. And if you are one of those people that has done that and I know of it and it's not I'm coming after not the police. But I will tell the truth. And the truth is I've kept things in because um, as a soldier, I, do, I couldn't be in that position to what would be considered, could be considered disparaging a leader. But at this point, truth free is now. truth. And I will, I will talk about that. You're free now to do that. Yeah. I recently heard someone say this, yep. and I, I thought that this is a really interesting perspective. A soldier will do whatever he's told, no matter right or wrong. However, a warrior will do what's right, no matter what he's told. Yes, and, that and is I great. Like that. I had this conversation yesterday on another podcast. That is great. I wish I had that uh, because the lady asked me right outright you know, on a podcast yesterday, "Are you guys robots? Do you just just go do whatever you're told to do?" That's the perception from us as civilians. And I said, well, "Absolutely not." And there's, I've been in head to head with a two star on the border, which is what nearly got me fired. The only thing that kept me safe was a whistleblower act protection that I told him about. So he wouldn't get in trouble. So I was being a nice guy. You know, I was sitting there going head to head with a two star telling him that he is, uh, that, that sir, that is an unlawful order. I can't do that. When you, when you get in that conversation, that is not somebody that's just doing what you know they're told that's somebody that's doing what is right and that's a great way to put that sam yeah i like that and and i personally have had a situation yeah, similar really to that where i was filling in for a month to be a uh, brigade battalion surgeon uh in a foreign country mm -hmm. and this this one man soldier in the unit was having a tough time with his wife being suicidal 
and and like the chaplain mm. wasn't saying a thing, which was very disturbing. And and the company commander, the it was the battalion commander, he was just like, "Well, man, right. oh how it's convenient that the wife had a suicide attempt, and now the soldier can go home." It's like, excuse me, sir. And, and I believe I said it just like that, in you know, mm-hmm. you know, in a staff meeting that, sir, this is. The man's wife was found unconscious in her house and was only found because he called her his house and no one answered and then called the police and they busted the door right. down. This is the example of, of toxic leadership that is it's pretty common throughout the military. Yeah. Oh, gosh. You know, we, we've allowed that, though. We've allowed that. Um, look, I've been in since 83 and I, t- I had a break in service and I went to college and, and medical school and residency. But in 83... And I'm sure before this, you know, I heard my uncles and my dad's stories and all that. Uh, there's always this shadow regulation system that exists. And this, there's nothing in writing. And sometimes it's not nefarious. Sometimes you just don't, you can't have things in writing, but you still have to work a certain way. And when you're a commander, you have that that leeway. You can, I've been a commander. You, you can say, well, this is what we're going to do today. It's not in the regs, but this is what we're going to do today. Now, some people might consider it. It's a bit in the, uh, not shadowy, but it's, it's a bit gray. Okay. Sometimes. Yeah. I've done great things downrange. I've done great things stateside as far as different than the norm, but the, the shadow regulation system that I've seen now since, um, especially since the rollout of the mandates for the military, um, has gotten really, it's crossed into the criminal realm. I mean, it, it is criminal now. We'd, we had a frag ord, number five, that came down originally. And it says that only the only sh- that is up incumbent upon commanders, and this is something that's going to be a fight, is com- incumbent upon commanders. And so the fine print, and, and Lloyd Austin's lawyers did a really good job with this because it keeps the onus off of him. Right. To, to verify that the correct vaccine is being given. And this is where the whole Article 92 thing is failure to follow order that they're charging a lot of people that aren't taking the vaccines with. Well, if you don't have community, which is the only one that was authorized, what, for maybe a day? Right. Uh, I don't know. Uh, but we've had this many in the inventory, zero. And well, to further your point, I recently right. just had Davis Yunson, who was talking about his his client that he was representing, Bill Mosley, and they found it yeah. that he did not disobey, or let me restate that, it was not a lawful order for him to take a vaccine because it there is no authorized vaccine available in the military. Correct. Period. Yes. And, and the implication Dale Sur- of that. Dale Saran's case is, yeah. is coming out and they have 500 plaintiffs. And literally that's, I think now I, I didn't read his whole state, his whole court proceeding, but I think that that's what it's about. Essentially it doesn't exist. And if it doesn't exist, then therefore you cannot verify that you're giving it. So the very first time that they showed up on my last mission that I was on this, on the, you know, Rio Grande river, and I'm walking in there and a bunch of people are setting up unbeknownst to me to give shots to my people. And I'm like, what are you doing here? Uh, I'm the surgeon. Oh, yeah, we had a scheduled date. Okay, well, let me see what you're doing. Oh, let me see the vial. Oh, that's not the right one. Hey, pack it up. Get We're in McAllen. They had to drive back to Austin and, you know, that's a five-hour drive. And love they it. were upset, you know. I love and uh, about days, surgeons were upset, their bosses, et cetera. But we got, you know, we figured it out. They just weren't going to do that under my watch. And the implications of that, so if there's a commander that's listening, you will be held personally liable for the unlawful Mm -hmm. orders that you give. And and this is not a threat, as uh, Doc Chambers has said. 
this is a guarantee of what will happen. There will be Nuremberg-style trials. And I say Nuremberg-style trials because that is the level of, mm. of egregiousness that has happened. Mm -hmm. And if you don't want to be held personally liable, then please ensure that you're not enforcing and giving unlawful orders. Right. Yeah, that right there has so many second and third order effects to it. You know, and and you know it and I know it. We've seen, you know, my goodness sake, I had it in January in 21 before I went down to the border. And I, I trusted my government since 83 to take a lot of vaccines. And I trusted that this would be safe and effective. It was neither safe, nor was it effective. And to be honest with you, at a very low vaccination rate on the border and my soldiers, I was a, not I, we were able to keep our soldiers um, from being sick and testing positive with the craziest design of using PCR testing I've ever seen. However, we were keeping them we are keeping th operations going, okay? Everything in the military is about operations. It's readiness and operations. We were able to keep operations going by doing lesser intrusive means. Something as simple as what Singh et al., a, a study that I read on, which kind of prompted it, but also just my experience as a special operations surgeon working in Africa, the Southeast Asia, the Middle East, Afghanistan, Pakistan, you want to name it, just good practices. Hey, right. if there's something that could, be, that could be inhaled, hey, how about just take a little bit of betadine out of your kit, mix it with a little bit of saline, take a swab and wash your nose if you're talking to 20,000 Mexicans walking across the border. Well, not Mexicans, illegals coming across the border every week that are not tested and who do not have vaccines. All right. So that's what our soldiers were facing down there on that border. And so... They would just come in in the evening, and if they felt anything coming on or if they had to deal with people hand-to-hand -hand or hands-on, uh, yeah, go ahead and do that. And then we kept people safe. And and then, you know, here's the interesting thing. When, when I left the border, because eventually they really got mad at me, uh, and I was supposed to be down there another year, uh, the surgeon that came in who called himself the COVID czar, uh, he— He's, should make you get ahead. concerned just by that name that he dubbed himself. I know, like, I am the COVID czar. You will take this. Uh, there's so many stories I could go into about him. Oh, I can, I could probably do, probably do a do whole as much special on him yeah. alone. Yeah, yeah. Oh, let's, you know? let's, let's have you back. Let's do it. <laughs> yeah, we should. We should, too. Because it's, 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 it's comedic. And I'm really good at telling stories, kind of like fireside stuff. So we need to have that one specifically so we could just... Um, Help this gentleman out. Yes. To see the error of his ways. Yes, let's, let's educate him on his <laughs> but, uh, poor behavior. When 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 he showed up, within months, within three months, they went to from very low vaccination rate to a, um, over 50% of the troops vaccinated. And uh, they went to 78% had tests that were, of the people testing positive for, with PCR tests for COVID, 78% were double vaxxed. 15% were not vaxxed and they had zero symptoms. The ones that were getting sick were about 80 to 90% that were getting symptoms were about 80 to 90% double vaxxed. Now, if that doesn't tell you something, I don't know what does. You don't have to be a rocket scientist, okay? I'm just a simple country doctor, right? That carries a weapon and has a green beret, no longer, but I got to keep it. They didn't take it from me. I was afraid they were gonna do, try to do that. Um, but Wait, there just you a, go. Just a quick aside, because Certainly, I know um, what you were doing in particular that I, I consider standing in the gap. 
but I don't think some of our listeners may not know. But just give a quick rundown of you were giving informed consent at the border mm-hmm. for your troops. Oh, yeah. Okay, so let me explain real quick for them. Informed consent is just me telling you the good, the bad, the ugly, the the risk versus benefit of taking something that you may not need to have, but I still have to give that. So soldiers show up, and in, in our world, they show up in big groups and big rooms, 500 at a time for me as we went from 600 people on the border to 10,000 people. So they'd show up. Well, somewhere around the number of 3,000 that showed up on the border, I had about six people that actually took the shots because I asked my medic one day, I'm like, doesn't seem like they're giving, getting a lot of them. He said, no, sir, about six people have taken it so far. I'm like, good. Because now just let's just say that that there was n- that COVID-19 was a real thing. It wasn't a bioweapon. Let's just say that it was actually an infection, right? A viral infection. And let's just say that these shots were actually safe and effective. Let's just say that. Well, if that was the case, I would still give the same informed consent, except I wouldn't have a skull on the crossbones as my last slide with this as any questions. What, what I would say, and, and that's not what I really did, but I should have. Um, have been but what glorious. I would say is this. Yeah. Because on that, the SDS, there is a lot of skull and crossbones on the SDS for the th- first three, the safety data sheets oh, for right. the first three ingredients of community. FYI. Oh, yeah. It's ridiculous. Yeah. So <laughs> you, you, when, you, when you have a 99.997 or 996 or whatever, 99% anything percent chance of not having a problem at all. And even if you did, and I had to intervene and give you a little bit of ivermectin, or I was able to actually practice medicine like I had been since 2003 as a doctor in the military, um, which I had ivermectin in my inventory. I had hydroxychloroquine. Guess what? On this mission, I wasn't allowed to have it. No, you can't have it. So that's right. Because as being yeah. a Green Beret, you often have oh, med yeah. kits. We use each, it all the time. Each man yeah, has right. a med kit that they take with them overseas, that's and they right. have those two specific drugs in them, don't they? Yes, we do. And, and we also have a blowout kit for, and in that blowout kit is a is a combat pill pack if you're shot. So we are prepared to do that. We give people that stuff downrange, and they're and they're very safe. And our medics monitor it and keep people safe. Well, if I'm giving an informed consent, what I'm going to say is. Hey, these are the reasons why you don't need to take it because you're young and this and that and you're healthy. But if you are older, debilitated, diabetic, uh, morbidly obese, uh, some sort of respiratory disease. Okay, how many people in that room do you think I had that fit that category? Very few. Okay, maybe some people, it is the guard. There could be some people that are a little overweight. But really, and there's some people that are a little older. That happens in the guard too. You know, I've, I've been on both sides, the active and the guard. I'll say that. I didn't see anybody really in that room that really needed to take it, period, of any of those informed consents that I did. But if they chose to, they could. That's the purpose of informed consent. What's interesting, what you just said is, you know, elder, well, maybe not elder, but old, slightly older group, but not not technically elders, yeah. 65 and older. Um, no, not necessarily. Diabetes, hypertension, all these diseases you mentioned. It's interesting because we found out, what, in May, when some FOIA documents from Pfizer came out, that those groups of people were specifically removed from the test group. So we don't, we can't say that it's effective or efficacious Mm -hmm. in those groups because they were not interesting. They were removed from the test group, just like pregnant women, breastfeeding women were removed and men were told not to get their wives pregnant until at least 60 days after the last dose. Right. Which needs to be told more. Yeah. So it's, that's kind of interesting. So you do that form consent. And then for me, the way that the shadow regulation system, the way the ugliness ensued was uh, as the state commander who was 
relieved and, and exchanged out the two star. Uh, and that would be General Tracy Norris as she refused to see me at numerous requests um, to talk to her. I actually called her aide while one of my uh, com, uh, compadres was standing next to him. And she said, no, I don't want to talk to him. I don't, I don't, you know, it was just, I don't want an office call. Well, if you only have one surgeon on the border and this is your main mission going on in Texas, you might want to listen to your surgeon when he says, hey, this is destroying the troops down here. Like people are having brain fog, vertigo, myocarditis. I had a 27-year-old. My very first case of anything of this was a 27-year-old with myopericarditis, inflammation of the heart muscle and the lining around the heart. We pulled him off the border because it's hot and he's carrying body armor. He's wearing it 12 hours a day. We put him inside the aid station. He went, obviously went, he was admitted to the hospital, was in the ICU. Um, the uh, cardiologist, you know, released him after a while. We brought him in, let him work inside. And then we had to pull him off the mission because he went back for a follow-up and he, his ejection fraction, which is how much blood gets pumped out of your heart. I know you know this, but I'm telling you for your, for your folks out there is was uh 30% less where it should have been for a 27 27-year-old. 27 okay, this, this is someone's son. This is someone's son. Potentially right. someone's husband, someone's father. Right. Right. And his heart will never be the same. Right. Never. And, and his life and will so, be significantly shortened. Right. And that's when I that's when I really started looking at Vera's data and all that. Of course then, you know, Teresa Long called me Colonel Long and said Hey, do you know about the uh, DMED data? I said, well, I don't use it very often. I'm on the border. I'm busy. I'm an operational doc. She said, well, I'm a public, you know, an MPH. And can you get on it? So I did. And I looked at some stuff that she was talking about. I was looking at the things that I needed to look at for um, myopericarditis. And the numbers were through the roof. And that's when we ended up with the whistleblower thing. But but that's really that that shadow regulation says, okay, so we're going to pull you off the border because we don't want you to be telling us the truth. I mean, that's ultimately what it was. And that's right? what you're paid to do. I mean, that's what I'm paid to do, we, is to tell the truth. That's what I'm paid to do. That's what the DMED system was created for was, you know, there's some speculation whether it was fake or it's not, it's real. Well, whether it's fake or real, we pay billions of dollars, the taxpayers do, for that system to tell us there's a problem, which is it's a, it's a sentinel event system. It's to say, hey, doc, you're seeing a lot of myopericarditis in 27-year-olds. You might want to quit doing whatever it is you're doing to these people that's causing that. Oh, okay, great. And then they'll in a system that works, that's what would have happened. We would have stopped that shot. We would have said, no, we're not giving this thing anymore. But we didn't. We continued to destroy soldiers. Period. And, yeah. and this is one thing that I think the, the public doesn't understand is all the mandates have been withdrawn for the public. The military, no. nothing has changed. They're driving forward with this narrative that doesn't make any sense. This, this alleged vaccine does not cover the strain that's going around. I'm, mm -hmm. I'm putting together a podcast, I don't know if it's going to come out before or after this one, where I demonstrate that this is most likely a bioweapon designed in part by China, our enemy, and we're coercing soldiers to take it, where in reality we should bar them from taking it and not even allow that to happen, because there's the potential that this is designed by our enemy. And there's business agreements mm -hmm. that show that China is working with BioNTech, public business agreements. It's terrifying, absolutely terrifying. Yeah, that'll be. I, I'm I'm interested to hear that one. Yeah, that's uh, um, when we interpose, and this is what you know. I go. I did this the other day. I was in uh, Iowa speaking to a uh, senator up there, a uh, state senator, a uh, great guy, Senator Carlin. Uh, he was running against. Um, I don't know what happened in the primary last night, but uh, Chuck Grassley, 
uh, for a Republican seat. But anyway, speaking to him and I said, hey, if, if you get up on the hill and you're a senator, know this, that if this is a biowarfare thing, if this is truly a biowarfare thing, and I, and I believe it is, I'm not telling you anything I know off the red side. I'm just saying I believe that um, based upon things that I see and understand. Um, I would say that I would venture to say that any soldier, airman, air, a, a marine, um, anybody that has been wounded by this quasi vaccine, this shot, mRNA therapy, was wounded in the war, deserves a Purple Heart. Right. You were wounded. They've been in... wounded in action. Right. No, I agree. I agree wholeheartedly. Yeah. I mean, it's it, 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 because the war came to us. We right? didn't know we were in we war. We didn't ask for it. And that's the best we didn't part of war. up to go down range. Right. You should never well, let your is, enemy know they're is, at war. Right. Well, this is, you know, very Sun Tzu-ish, you know, which is, uh, you know, the home, the home of Sun Tzu is China. So you, perhaps they might be using a little bit of their, uh, you know, their, their teaching from, from days of old. But that is, that is the truth, though. I mean, even in, in you know, in any generation of warfare is to, is to, to speed, surprise, violence of action. Well, this is definitely surprise. Um, and this is, uh, this is one of those things that if it, if it does come out and I believe that it will, uh, and I, I'd be interested to see what the, your, your take on it when you have that podcast, but yeah, that, that is going to be, uh, that, that is a, uh, cause it's continuing. It's, and it's, and here's the other thing when, when you're purging the critical thinkers, the people that say, no, I won't, or you're purging people that stand up. You know, I spoke in, at an air force base in Nebraska last week. Uh, to a bunch of officers and enlisted uh, crew members who uh, people really, some really awesome people. I don't know a lot about the Air Force other than I jump out of the back of their planes, uh, you know, joke, joking, all joking aside, but they are some great Americans. And I stayed with a beautiful family out there and they hosted me and uh, nine kids live on a farm. I mean, it was just amazing, uh, wonderful family, but they are just some of the most honorable people that I've met. In, in just the way that they they operate, because they're at the tip of the spear in the skies, right? These people are flying some serious hardware in the skies and you're rescuing idiots like me that joined a walk on the ground, you know, <laughs> but, but they're getting drummed out. They're getting sidelined. They're getting, they're in small groups because they have no friends. They've been alone and unafraid. The suicide rates are through the chart, through the roofs in the military now because they have so isolated. This is what what's happened to these people. They're isolated. So they've made their little groups and they asked me to come and speak and I did. And I just infused a little bit of, hey, look, we're with you kind of thing. But also, because I do have my uniform off, give me some names. I need my scalps. I told him, I said, I didn't come all the way up here from the Red River not to get in a fight. So I need my scalps. I want my scalps, which I meant names. I need names of, of officers, of senior officers who are breaking the law. And I will, by name, be using their names on the truthforhealth.org on a site that I'm helping Dr. Bleet. Oh, um, there will name. be a wall of shame. There will be a wall of shame on there. I'll give you a name. And, and we'll start. And I don't have to give you the name because it's already in public record. It's part of my yeah. um, declaration for Coker versus Austin. And it is also written in a Children's Health Defense Network, but it's my commander. And I believe, I strongly believe, and I, and I will see too, that anyone that has died of COVID since September 10th, since she banned the off-label use of ivermectin, which she lacks the capacity mm -hmm. to do so, anyone that's died of that, right. their blood is on her hands, and she will need to be charged with a voluntary manslaughter 
So if you're listening, please understand right. okay. that is my goal is to get voluntary manslaughter charges against you for banning a, a right. life-saving medication to patients. Well, and that's that's the point of this is what we found is that we cannot do this through legislators. It's just taking too long. We can't do this through court. It will happen through court. It's just a slower process. But we will will hold people accountable in this. We're going to call it a wall of shame, but we'll also share it across the you know the the different media outlets so that these stories will be told because these the you are aiding and abetting the enemy when you do that if you know that you're doing it and if you're not then you, that's malfeasance but either way you're still damaging and destroying lives and possibly responsible in this case for uh ne you know negligence criminal negligence so when the suicide rate that you, yeah. that you had mentioned, like imagine mm -hmm. there, there's two different groups of people that are having suicide, right? There's the non-vaxxed and it's because they're, mm -hmm. they're isolated, they're alone. They're having all this pressure. Like we're going to take away your retirement. Mm -hmm. We're going to take, Typical. Yeah. You, know, you know, let's say you're a trigger puller and I don't mean that in a derogatory way. I respect them more than doctors at this point uh, <laughs> because yeah. they're much smarter, but they don't have a career path outside of the military. It's hard to be 11 mm -hmm. Bravo, be a, you know, a fister and, and do anything outside yeah. the military. And so they're threatening with that. And many of these people have more than one child and, you know, they have a whole life built on being in the military. Providing for them becomes incredibly difficult. And then there's the other group of people, the group of people that did what they were told, have everything stripped away from them, like the pilot that sits with, with uh, Doc Long, Colonel Long, and is crying because... I did everything you said, and I'm still being grounded. Mm -hmm. Or they right. they did a great disservice to themselves by taking something they felt was wrong to take, and that grave moral right. injury has now put them in a place where suicide seems the best way out, which is terrible, absolutely terrible. Yeah, it's destroying us in many ways. And if you if you aren't, I could imagine yourself. It would be hard, you know. You you're pulled out of your position where you where you're doing a job that you love, what you spent a lot of years to do. Uh, and then now just say, go to the house and come and check in every once in a while. Well, I have to do security okay. rounds. I have to walk well, around and be seen on security cameras because I was, I was allegedly seen driving my yeah. white truck, which I don't own around post because I guess all white guys look the so, same. <laughs> yeah. So, Even so though, there you go. I yeah. mean, that, that's it right there. So, you know, but imagine that and you, and you do imagine it, you live it. Uh, and then what does that do to your psyche? So you have to, you have to get and, and that's what i i guess part of this is is anybody out there that's just feels like they're alone and unafraid uh or afraid uh you're not you're not that's one of the biggest things that we talked about yesterday on the podcast with one of the airmen from nebraska this the a pilot uh and he's and he said you know when i when i got up there and saw the group of guys in there and then you come in from texas you came all the way up here you know drove up here to just to talk to us felt pretty special. I'm like, well, you are special. You're, you're, you're given to this country. And now, you know, two days, five, four days after I get out of uniform, that's my job now is to continue to embolden and attend to continue to uh, do what I do downrange and in, in a kinetic battle. But in this fifth generation warfare, I'm still more or less wearing a different kind of uniform. Uh, I'm still an American and I'm still a, you know, a veteran who is concerned about this country. So I won't be, I'm not out of this battle. Not this one that's home, that's hitting the conus. The duty duty uniform for this battle is the armor of God. Right. Oh, yeah. Amen. Yeah, that's true. And that's one thing that I've been called to do also during this time is, you know, since I've been taken out of patient care 
which is a passion of mine. I love seeing people's lives change. And mm -hmm. it, it's kind of morphed into, help, let me help build networks to connect people that need to be connected so they don't feel isolated and alone. And that is right. so important. We're not solitary individuals. When you take, and, and I'm speaking for men because we're both men and I understand men and um, women, I'm sure there's, there's a lot of similarities, but it's, they're wired different and it's a good thing. And we need to celebrate the differences and not try and mush everything together. But for men, what we do, what our job is, is so wrapped up in who we are and our self-worth. If we're not mm. doing something that's beneficial and we're not doing our job as we're, you know, we've, we've built our life around, then that can take a huge hit on men. Like so many men have a problem with retirement because they've been, especially I've seen so many first sergeants who retire, mm. they retire and they're like, they're like dad to this unit, all these little right, kids right. and they're just taking care of them. And then they, they go home and sit on the couch and their life is basically destroyed because they have no purpose. Right. It's purpose is everything right there. Uh, purpose-driven life, you know, that was that Warren that wrote that book. Rick Warren. And that's a, you know, Very read that book. once. Yeah, it's a really, really good book. Um, you know, and, and it, it, we are, we, we are, we are mandated ourselves to continue to be men of God, regardless of a uniform or not, till the day we die. Um, and then, and in this bottle that's against principalities, uh, blind, blind obedience to government, especially if they're, government's doing something evil is an adventure with the devil. Right. right? And I heard that said I like that. Uh, by that's... Matthew Trohella. And I thought that's what it is, is blind obedience to a uh, tyrannical or evil government is an adventure with the devil. Okay. So when you say, you know, some churches have said, well, you know, we go by Romans 13, buy the book, you know, we must follow the government. Well, then you're a lemming and you're really pushing really hard to get to the edge of the cliff with about 2 million other ones. And, and you're not going to get a, you know, you're not going to be packed on there. Somebody's eventually going to start falling off. And, and proof so, that, that, that that's taken out of context. And that's it, the way you're describing it. Some of those pastors are doing He's look at Shadrach, yeah. Meshach and Abednego. They oh, went yeah. completely against what their ruler was saying. In fact, they, and I want this to resonate with everyone that hasn't had the shot, or if you've had the shot, you don't want to get more. Because it's not about, did you get it? Did you not get it? Because Dr. Chambers just said he got it, but he's against the mandates as anyone mm -hmm. should be. And at this point, I mean, I don't think anyone should, no service member should be allowed to get it. But Shadrach, Meshach, mm -hmm. and Abednego, they thought it would be better to burn to death because they didn't know they were going to be survive that fiery furnace. We look at it with our, with the, the ability to know what's going to happen at the end, but put yourself All in right. their shoes. They knew they don't bow when those trumpets blow. They're going into a fiery furnace. And that was better to burn to death and not disobey God than to not burn to death and live with, right. not, with disobeying God. And, and God came down and saved them. And even if he didn't, it would have been better to burn to death than to bow to a pagan God. Mm-hmm. Uh -huh. Well, that's, you know, that's uh, this, the, as we get back to kind of the original reason why we, you know, we, we kicked this off was to talk about the, the lesser magistrates where it, look, it's, it's the duty of the lesser magistrate to keep the superior magistrate in check when the superior magistrate oppresses those who do good and rewards evildoers. And this is what's happening. Let's just think about this in the bigger context of this country. If you're an evildoer, 
if you're in a federal agency that that goes after people because of um, you're trying to protect yourself because you did something nefarious and you're you're doing something uh, evil, but you're lifted up. Then it, that it's the, the lesser magistrate, which would be uh, the city council would go against the mayor and the mayor would go against the governor and the governor would go against the, the, the federal. And that's kind of how that works at each level. It helps. But we also have the other, you know, we have our within our families that we interpose and, and within churches and within the military, for sure. I mean, that's that's a prime example of rank structure where everyone has somebody that they lead, unless you're like me when I started out in E1 with no stripe on, you know, but, uh, you know, you just basically like, okay, I'm the lowest rung, but eventually you learn how to lead and then you start getting authority and responsibility and you're responsible for everything that happens or fails to happen, especially as an officer, senior NCO, but for sure as an officer. Yeah. Yeah. I think one thing that many civilians don't understand is as officers, we are not supposed to just blindly follow every order given to us. In fact, it's we don't even we don't even have in our because you've taken both oaths as enlisted and as officer, and there's differences mm -hmm. between those oaths. One of them says, "Obey the commands of the commander in chief," whereas the officer oath omits that part, and it's not by accident. It's it's done on purpose because right. we are to determine we are charged with determining if this is a lawful order, if we're giving lawful orders, if we're following lawful orders. That's right. That's right. Yeah. And we, we have to read the fine print as well. Like I said, and that's, that's if part we of got it. a frag word that came down that says you got to give, you know, biscuits to everybody. And they said they all got to be covered in cinnamon. Well, we got to make sure they're in there and it's in the fine print. But in this case, we're talking about something in a vial that can destroy your life. And if you, and, and, and you're just haphazardly just saying, well, just give it to them, let them eat cake. No, 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 officers. No, you're responsible and you will be held responsible. Ignorance Whether is not you a do defense. in this life or the next. Yeah, ignorance is not a defense. It was used at Nuremberg and they, uh, they hung those people. They said they were just following orders. Mm -mm, doesn't work. So I don't want to see anybody um, that hasn't done anything wrong get in trouble. That's not the point. And I don't, and I don't take joy in it. Uh, I don't take joy in hearing about somebody having to go to the electric chair, for example. I don't take joy in that. But I think that there is a place where uh, we are to be, be accountable for our sins uh, or unlawful orders in this case. You are accountable. Right. There's always redemption yeah. with Jesus. But there's still Absolutely. law on earth that must be followed. Hi. Mm. Yep. And for anyone out there that's received the shot, and remember, there's always redemption through Jesus. Right. You don't need to to beat yourself up over it. Oh no no no! You 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 know you you make a you make a choice and you, and you live with the res results of it. But for me, you know, as I was injured by it, and I don't mind talking about it. It's a demyelination injury of the brain. So it's like taking my wiring you know, off this, this device here and stripping it down to the metal. Well, I'll take the myelin sheath off the neuron, and there you go. It's kind of exposed. So susceptible to things like 5G radiation and things like that, a little more readily than others. Uh, even a milder head trauma could hurt you. But 
there's there's hope in that you can also treat things and I'm being treated and I'm doing much better than I was. I'm not having those symptoms anymore. Um, and I can just only know that I, that I have a day that I'm destined to, to go. So if I am wounded in this thing and it is taking me out of the battle, this is the thing that I, this is my thorn in my side, let's say that Paul talks about in the Bible mm -hmm. that I rejoice in because that's given me the freedom to say, well, the most dangerous guy on the battlefield is the guy that's mortally wounded or who has accepted their death, but still can return effective fire. Yes. Well, look out because I am returning effective fire verbally, not physically. Legally, yes. Uh, legally and morally and ethically, but I am returning it uh, not with fear because I'm not worried about what happens to me from that. I could walk out this trailer right now and, you know, a tree could fall on my head. I mean, my goodness, there's a lot of things that have already tried to take me out in this life and it hasn't worked. And I'm not being taunting the, <laughs> that world either. I'm just saying taunting or testing fate. I'm just saying there is a time and it's just not right now. So mm -hmm. I'm going to do the best I can to continue. In that same yeah. sense, also back when this vaccines first came out, I had the conversation with my wife about, are you going to, am I going to get it? I don't want to get it. What do you think? She said, you're not getting that thing. I'm not letting my best friend get that. And, and so we came to a decision then that what's the most important thing they can take from, or they think they can take from me, my license, my medical license. Now they're going to have to fight like mm -hmm. hell to get it because it's not going to go easy, but I'd rather bust tables mm -hmm. than take this and tell patients to take this. Again, they will have to fight like hell. So be ready for that because they're already doing it. Um, and I mean legally oh, yeah. fight. I'm not advocating any violence for anyone. Mm -hmm. But I'd rather lose my license than, than say right. this is fine. Yeah, well, it's, you know, everything's on the line right now. This is, uh, this is probably the biggest fight that uh, in our lifetimes. And I've been... In, you know, carrying a rifle downrange for a long time and a medic bag. Yeah, this is, we are this at be, war. This will be the biggest fight. You know, maybe, certainly not a bullets flying kind of war, but certainly a, a maybe a real war if it is a bioweapon, which I, I think there's a good possibility it might be. But more than that. Yeah, if it's that, for sure, then we're, yeah, we're in a fifth generation or biowarfare scenario. We are definitely in a fifth generation warfare scenario where it's uh, information war and it's a war for the mind. And, uh, you know, we got to protect against that no matter what. The nefarious actors there are driven by money and, and power and greed. Um, but in, in, in this case, if we are looking at the CCP as being our enemy and they did release it for, for whatever reason, if that's the case, then we are in the war. And, and so, uh, like I said, this would be the biggest thing that we've, we've had to uh, face. Because there, there, there are potentially troubling times ahead. Yes. And bigger than that is this is a spiritual war. It is waging and it's huh. it's not hidden at all right now it's it's on full-scale warfare right in front of us yeah spiritual warfare has been going on since you know adam and eve i would imagine you know i wasn't there but uh although some of my soldiers may have thought i was there or the battle of bulge or <laughs> normandy etc uh not quite that but, old. Uh, when i jumped out into robin sage my you know i was the oldest guy there and they were like uh, did you jump out into Normandy too, sir? As we're loading oh. up on the plane, I'm like, yeah. <laughs> All right. Start pushing anyway. until I get tired of watching. Yeah. Uh, yeah. <laughs> but uh, yeah, the, the principalities and, and, and powers. Okay. That's another thing, you know, powers. What does that mean? I mean, we're, we're, if we have powers that are in charge right now that are, are evil, um, 
we definitely got to interpose there. That's, that's the whole purpose of this. This is why our founding fathers wrote it this way, right. is that they wanted to have a place where we didn't have, you know, an imperial master. You know, we 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 wanted to, to be free to have religion and to, to you know, life, liberty, and the pursuit of happiness. You know the thing. You yeah, know the, the thing. thing. You know. Yeah, the thing. <laughs> Created by, and, uh, you know, the yeah. thing. Yeah. Yeah, brought to you by Brandon. Yeah. I can say that. I, I can't. <laughs> you can't. I got a year left. Yeah. Can't wait to, for that, that episode. I'll wear a different shirt. There you go. That's <laughs> yeah, good stuff. And if, if any of the listeners or viewers yeah, I think... want to learn more about The Unseen Realm, check out the book called The Unseen Realm by Michael Heiser. It, it changes everything about the Bible, but then again, changes nothing. It just gives you a much deeper, multi-layer understanding of what's going on and, and takes the scales off your eyes so you can see the, the battle of The Unseen Realm. Mm-hmm. Okay. Yeah, I'll, I'll look at that too. I haven't, I haven't read that one, but yeah, I listen to you. books. It's easier for me. I can listen to it two X. There you go. All right. Well, thank you. Well, thank you, sir. All right. I, I truly appreciate yeah, you. Great to be here. You coming on and and being the epitome of warrior. You know the the, uh, the physical warrior carrying a, a rifle, and then also the spiritual warrior doing God's work here on earth. And, and I pray for you every night as I do all the leaders that are trying to bring us back to God. And, and I truly appreciate all the work that you're putting into this. Yeah. Well, thank you for, uh, you know, you specifically for being, uh, you know, truly exhibiting what uh, is army value number seven, which is personal courage. You know, I say a lot of these general officers have personal concern. They've changed it. Um, but number seven is personal courage. It's on my wall. I always, I mean, I've always had it on my wall ever since I was, uh, that that particular saying came out, but it's personal courage is a lot tougher than physical courage. Believe it or not, I've had to do both. And physical courage you do because you're possibly going to die, right? So you just kind of keep moving, right? And then you sometimes have to move towards the fire. But eventually, over time, you learn how to do that. As a soldier, you say you you make a decision: Do I want to continue doing this job or not? And you either leave or you or you stay or you hide. There's one of three things: or you or you move forward. But 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 personal courage is is so much tougher so much tougher you got to stand up against authority which is sometimes uh Uncomfortable. You know, a lot harder to say that so but i will tell you i've had the most peace and my family's had the most peace during this this trial and this tribulation because we know we're legally mm-hmm. morally and ethically correct and we have that high ground and we're on god's side you know so many people say oh god's on my side no no i am God is not on my, I'm on God's side. And then when I stay on that side, good things will happen. Uh-huh. That's it. Well, that's good. Good feeling. And one more thing. Can you give a quick plug onto the places where people can follow you? Oh, sure. Uh, on Telegram, it's Dr. Pete Chambers, P-E-T-E Chambers. Uh, and the do- doctor is not doc there. It's just D-R on, the, on that one. It's Telegram. And then uh, on truthforhealth.org, O-R-G, uh, and that's not the number four, but F-O-R, uh, with Dr. Lee Leet. And that's really the two places. I have a website, but I don't really use for my book that eventually might come out someday. But it's uh, www.fullspectrumamerican.com. And that's just kind of a place. But I also added a section called Nuremberg 2.0, coming soon. 
and, and I want to do all I can to help you get that to happen. Well, thank you again, sir. Thanks for coming, and I truly appreciate it, and we'll be praying for you. All right, brother. Well, I appreciate you, Sam. Thank you, sir. Thanks for and having me on. Thank you for helping making courage more contagious than fear. Hey, follow me through the gap.